What a great passage of scripture. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful one. It's challenging. I didn't pick it for any specific one of you, um, as I was accused of. Uh, this is Jesus, what we call the Sermon on the Plain. It's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, very famous words of Jesus, very challenging. This is the kind of passage you could just take this home, meditate on it, and just let it go deep in your heart, and that's, you could spend a lot of time with that. So if that's you, go ahead and do that. You can check out now. Um, but uh, before we jump into this passage, for those of you who are going to track with us here, um, there's an unwritten rule, and it uh, tells us that it is inappropriate to put out your Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, um, or at least till after Thanksgiving has passed. Uh, in fact, in an online poll, 86% of people said, said that the entire month of November was off limits for Christmas decorations. It should not be done. 86% of people. So the question is, what is the best time to put up Christmas decorations? Um, you may have seen in the news this week, Claudia and Nick Simonis from San Antonio, Texas, they put out a handful of, uh, on November 1st, they put out a handful of Christmas decorations at their home, including a very large uh, inflatable uh, snowman. And three days later, they received a letter from their homeowners association uh, telling, demanding that they take the decorations down. Uh, the couple... Uh, Nick Simonis told CNN, I felt shocked and angered. He told uh, the reporter that he didn't know there was any rule that, when, you know, that, uh, that says when families in the neighborhood can put up decorations for the holidays. So they put up the large snowman in their yard and a few other inflatables. Um, they were the only ones in the neighborhood who had already put the decorations out. Um, and they received... Uh, the letter they received specifically told the family that they needed to remove the snowman until, quote, closer to the holiday season. It does not say when that is, but we all know when that is. Um, <laughs> quote, we're in the Christmas spirit, just like anyone else, Nick Simona said. We love the holidays, and my wife is very active in it. Now, stop there for a second. What my wife is very active in the holidays, I don't know what that means. She, maybe she uh, just gets very caught up in it. Maybe she is a person of faith. Uh, but nonetheless, November 1st, out goes the inflatable snowman. Um, but even though she is in the Christmas spirit, that is not the only reason the family decided to put up their decorations earlier. Claudia Simonis is eight months pregnant, and her due date is Christmas Day. And they put out everything early because she's very pregnant, and also because they have two other children, a seven-year-old and a two-year-old, and uh, if the baby comes early, they didn't want the younger, uh, the, these two boys, I think the two boys, to miss out on the decorations because they didn't have time to decorate because the incoming brother or sister uh, ruined Christmas for them somehow. So um, they're unsure about who notified the homeowners association about the decorations. Um, but Claudia Simona said that the neighborhood's been supportive. Quote, we got a lot of support from our neighbors, Claudia Simona said. Uh, every single one of them supported us by putting up their decorations and posting messages. <laughs> Which, as you're figuring out, includes whoever ratted them out. Everyone else started putting out supportive uh, decorations, and, and so it's unclear who actually uh, blew the whistle on this one. Um, I don't, quote, I don't think this should be an issue. Neighbor Charles Minton, who's already put out some penguins and a large Merry Christmas ornament in his front yard, he told the news affiliate 
W-O-A-I. These are the holidays. This is what we do. We take care of our neighbors. That's what a neighborhood is about. So my, my conclusion for you in this is that if you're eight months pregnant, it's okay to put them out early. Um, otherwise, you might want to wait. That's my opinion. Uh, or if you're from a foreign country. So if you put up your Christmas tree on November 9th, you could say, that's how we do it in Brazil. We just put them in, uh, out in early November. So if that happens to be you, uh, then I accept that. And I do, not, I do not judge and you will not be judged. All right. That's, uh, so that's not why I'm sharing that about judgment, although you may have had feelings of judgment arise in you as I am speaking. Uh, but I am saying this because there's two trees in the rotunda with lights on them and ornaments hanging on them, and they are Christmas trees. And it is not Thanksgiving yet, nor is it after Thanksgiving. Uh, we, but we are entering into a season of serving and of giving of ourselves. And it's important that we put these things out now because we want to bring into that season uh, opportunities to serve. And it's for the sake of our schedule that before we fill our schedule with everything else for ourselves, that we want to begin, the very first step is to consider how are we giving of ourselves to others? And how do we, are we taking advantage of opportunity uh, to give and to serve? So it's for the sake of our schedule. And the calendar doesn't help us because next week is what we would call Thanksgiving Sunday. And then the very next week, there's the first Sunday of Advent because of the way the calendar rolls out, we don't. We can't change the calendar at this point. I don't have the power yet to do that. Um, But not for the sake of our schedules alone, but for the sake of our hearts. That um, we are considering this as a, we're entering into a season of giving and receiving. And that's why it's it's giving and receiving. And it's not just that sometimes I give and then sometimes I receive. It's that when I give, I receive. That giving and receiving go hand in hand. And so we're going to consider this notion that in Jesus' kingdom, it's not that I give and receive, but that it's in giving that I receive. And his word shows us that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we receive as we give. And I want to explore that and explore these, uh, these powerful words today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, you in your word have called us to be people who are vigilant who know your will, who are ready for what you call us to and ready to respond. So we pray that this time would be a time of equipping, equipping our hearts to respond in obedience to you. So Lord, we know that you're present here and we know that your Holy Spirit is at work in those of us who have put our faith in you. So I pray that that spirit would unite us as one and that you would guide us in every way through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, so this, these instructions, so there's a lot of teaching in this, in this, packed into this passage of Scripture, and even just before and just after this, more teaching. And uh, this stringing together of these teachings, really Jesus is describing a way of life in his kingdom. And it is a way of life that includes uh, forgiveness. It is a way of life that includes generosity and love and service. And I want to consider four aspects of this Jesus way of life that we follow in. They all begin with the letter R. The first one is that this way of life is reciprocal. Verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That there is this beautiful reciprocity. There's this reciprocal nature of God's kingdom. That as we pour out, as we give, as we, uh, as we do not... As, as we forgive, that we experience forgiveness. That as we do not judge, that we do not experience judgment or condemnation. And as we give, we receive. Uh, this, there's a beautiful balance in God's economy that he can do that. Because he's God. And because he has it all. Uh, elsewhere in scripture, we see this in Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We, you reap what you sow, or as some say, what goes around comes around. Uh, this is how God's world works. But we are careful. This is different than the notion of karma. And uh, we, I had a discussion with a friend this week about this notion of karma. Uh, it's similar in a sense, but even in the notion of karma for faith groups that that understand that concept. The idea is that what you do will come around to get you, whether it's in this life or in, the, in a reincarnated life, in my next life, that somehow what's been done, that it's, it, there's a deep sense of justice, which actually, as God taught, there is, uh, he does operate from a sense of justice in his timing. It doesn't always happen instantly. His, his justice, uh, as that Galatians passions, passions, passage says, at the proper time, we will experience um, the fullness of the goodness, the harvest that we will reap. Uh, but we believe as Christians, as God's word says, that we are destined to die once, that we don't live multiple lives, that we have one chance to, to know our creator and to live the life that he has for us, however many days he gives us. And that life ends and we are to stand before him in judgment for how we have lived. And so... Um, we don't want the universe to operate by karma because it, we don't want to get what we deserve, not one of us. The Bible is also clear that we've all fallen short of God's glory, that we have all sinned, that we all are deserving of God's judgment and condemnation. But um, So grace interrupts karma is how we would describe that. Grace breaks that cycle and gives us something that we do not deserve. It... it, it God's mercy is withholding the, the, the punishment that we deserve because of God's grace to us. And I just want to be clear about that because in that, when we experience God's grace, it does free us up to enter into his kingdom and his way of life where we experience the true reciprocal nature of giving and receiving, of forgiving and being forgiven. And, and it's, it's a beautiful Way, and it's just generous. Look at the language here. Um, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, pouring over. It's just rich, generous language. That's the life that we're called to walk. Now, I can hear you saying in the back of your mind, I can hear it. You're not saying it out loud, but you're saying, you know, this is not a good motivation to serve, to receive. That, you know, I'm giving because, you know, I'm going to get something out of it because God is so generous. It's, that's not shouldn't be the goal. And I'd say, you're right. It does sound a little backwards that we would serve people for the benefit that we receive. That's not the goal of serving. But we know that it happens. 
We know that it's a result of serving. And we, I talk to people all the time who say, you know, I've kind of wanted to help uh, the poor people. So I started um, working with homeless people in the bridge ministry. And I went. And man, I went to serve. I have never been stretched by God the way that I've been stretched when I serve in that way. I've never grown so much in my own faith than when I offer prayer and support to people in need. Uh, right now we're in a season, we're in between youth pastors. And a lot of people have stepped up to serve in the youth ministry. And they say, you know, Man, I stepped up to serve, but I'm realizing as I serve that God is blessing me and God is teaching me and showing me things. And whether it's in children's ministry or in nursing homes or wherever we serve, that as we do it, we realize that in God's economy, as I give, I am, I am growing in my faith. I'm understanding my gifts. I'm understanding the blessing of being God's child as I serve. We see it with small group leaders. We see it. We see it everywhere. There's there's a reciprocal nature of God's kingdom. Secondly, it's not just reciprocal, but it's also uh, reproduced. We see this in verse 39. Jesus told him the parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the pit? Student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So you're going to reproduce what you are. If you're blind... You can only lead another blind person and so far before you're going to fall into a ditch. It's a, it's a very clear thing. You can't give someone something that you don't have yourself. And if you, so if as a teacher, you would say that as a learner, whatever I emulate, whatever I have learned, I'm going to repeat in my own life. Now for us in our lives, what we've learned about things like how to serve and how to be generous. We learn those from our family of origin. We learn those from how we were raised. And some of us have uh, very positive examples in our lives of generosity and kindness and forgiveness. Others um, have not had a positive experience that their family of origin may have taught them stinginess and bigotry and unforgiveness and anger and addiction and and those things or for many of us some combination of both the positive and the negative but thanks be to god that in his kingdom we have the ultimate teacher and we have the ultimate example to follow that if we are to become like our teacher we are becoming like jesus the gospel of john chapter 13 jesus said i have set you an example that you should do as i have done for you And we understand what Jesus has done for us. He has given his life. He poured out his life to the very end. He gave his life on the cross. And rose again in power. He came to serve. And to serve us and to forgive us. Galatians chapter 5 says, You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You know, we, we serve one another in love and we do it. It all starts when we are serving and we are pouring out, we are generous. generous. It all starts with the fact that Jesus poured out his life for us. That is the, the root of it. That's the motivation for it. We don't serve to get something out of it, but we serve because we've been so served even to death. Jesus' death on a cross. And then as we operate from that place, we understand the reciprocal blessing that we receive. If we don't, serve, and if we don't give, and if, if we are not living this way of life from that motivation, we're going to live this way of life. You, you may serve people, we may be generous to people, but it's going to be out of perhaps guilt, of past 
failures. It could be trying to impress God, trying to impress my neighbors, trying to be a good citizen. Some sort of effort. Maybe it's my own weakness or insecurity that makes me want to do this, to feel better about myself. Uh, all those motivations you're, that come from your hurts or habits or whatever hang-ups in your life are, are not the proper motivation. It is about a reproduction of what Christ has done through our lives. So it is reciprocal, it's reproduced. Thirdly, it's repentant. We come to verse 41, to this famous teaching of Jesus. It's about the, trying to help somebody remove a speck from their eye with a plank in one's own eyes. It's a very, again, very famous teaching, very hyperbolic, very almost ridiculous type of a teaching about something. It sounds ridiculous, but deep down we know it's true. That we as Human beings have this amazing propensity to notice the faults and the sins of others, even very small ones. We're very good at it, while ignoring the, our own shortcomings, our own failures, our own sin. And what happens in Jesus' kingdom, in his way of life that, he's, that he lays out, that we don't practice on each other. You're not, uh, we don't become experiments of one another. We don't go to serve others and help others as a way of testing out if this is going to work. It's something that we know works because we've experienced it in our own lives. It starts with us. That I have experienced God's forgiveness and his healing work in my life, and therefore I'm even better. Jesus says here, um, you, will be, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You're going to be able to do it better because you know it's true and you know it works and you've experienced it. This is really important for us because when we think about serving others, we always remember, I'm I'm not any better than somebody I serve. If you go to a homeless shelter to to share a meal, you're not any better than the person who's, who's living in that shelter. You're not any better because we are operating under God's grace. So your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus might actually be nicer than you. Uh, The person who you're uh, being generous to at the soup kitchen might actually be more generous than you. The most generous person Jesus described was a very poor woman who had just two small coins and she gave it all. Jesus gave it all. We give. We give some. We're generous with our time and our resources. But the person you're serving might even be more generous than you by God's standard. Do we consider that? And we, go, we go into these things knowing that we're blessed by God. You know, I have something to give. I, I genuinely have something to contribute and give. But I only have something to give because of God's grace. The, the ground in front of the cross is very level. We all go to the cross and nobody's standing on any higher ground than anyone else. And when we go to serve others, when we go to be generous, when we go to give, we realize, yeah, we're all, on this, we're all in this together. We're all wounded healers together. Then, if we consider the notion of reciprocity, then this reciprocal nature, nature of the kingdom, we realize that, um, th- that the people I serve in various ways in my life, they act, God may have something for me through them. They actually may have something that I need to learn and see that they are giving to me, and I receive that. It's a different posture of, it's a two-way giving. 
It's reciprocal, it's reproduced, repentant, and lastly, it's a reflex. It's a response to what's in your heart. Uh, Verse 43. Let me just read this. Verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes, grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's a heart issue. All the action, all of the good deeds that you can do, they're not enough. You could go to the rotunda and get one of the ornaments off the tree and it has opportunities to serve on it. You can go serve, but what is the condition of the heart as I consider serving or as I am asked to serve or as I uh, seek to be generous? What is in there? Because the, what's, what's deep down is going to pour forward. This is where we need the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to come in and transform our hearts. To make us truly generous. To make us truly uh, people who are a giving people. To desire to serve. And then in the moment, it's just going to flow because it's already there. And it comes out with joy and with, um, with a good heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 it talks about being a, a cheerful giver. You know, not reluctant or under compulsion. And there's so many demands on your time, demands on your money, demands on your life and your energy. And, and here, and you can't say yes to everything. And you can't give to everything. But at the same time, the, your heart can, it can be discerning and, and, and intentional. You know, what you've decided in your heart and that it will flow forward with generosity. So what's going on in my heart as I do this? It's a reflex. So what do we do with this? First of all, I encourage you to practice generosity with all the currencies of your life. Money's one currency, but your time, your energy, your hospitality, your abilities, just all these things. We can just be generous. Give, and it will be given to you. Christ gave everything, everything for us. So with all of that we have, we are generous. Uh, I encourage you to be proactive. Again, that passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 um, each, each person should give what he's decided in his heart to give. That you, that it's, it's, that's why we start early. That's why we're entering into a season thinking about these things, considering in our own hearts to be intentional. Um, and then we know, you know, verse 8, you know, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work that we're intentional, we take action, and we see God's grace flowing back into our lives through these things. Um, And grace is abounding. And we have what we need. Uh, And then, um, and lastly, just Galatians 5.13, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Just give of yourself. So I want to invite you after the service to visit our trees. I know it's before Thanksgiving. Uh, but you're going to visit the Christmas trees and just take a look. The, the same opportunities that are on the tree and the little ornaments, they're on the card that you received on the, uh, when you came in today. There's cards in the pew racks. Take a look at those. Just, Lord, um, how are you calling me? Consider your own heart uh, as we approach this together. Let's pray. Father God, we think about your kingdom.
the standards of your kingdom of giving and of blessing and of forgiving. And Father, I confess that these are qualities that I lack in many ways. So I need forgiveness. I I embrace the forgiveness that you offer. I accept you as my Savior and Lord, and I rest in your grace. I claim the shed blood of Jesus for me. And I invite Jesus into my life again. And Lord, you've never left me or forsaken me. Yet again, I I claim your grace and submit myself to that. I pray that you would change my heart. That I might more fully live out the qualities of your kingdom. This way of life that you have not only taught, but fully lived out for us, Lord. I pray for us as a community that we would absorb these teachings, that we might do to others as we would have done to ourselves, that we would be made more like you, Jesus. Allow us to be people who are more concerned with compassion than we are with tradition. Help us to be people who respond willingly to your commandments rather than just debating them. We pause right now in your presence and we ask you to just do your work in our lives, to set us free, Lord. Set us free to love others. Set us free to do your will. Set us free to love you. May all of this be to the glory of of your name, Jesus. Amen.